Morning, family. Today is the third most important day of the year. I don't know which one's more important, Christmas or Easter, but those two are one and two. And then today, Father's Day. That's the third most important day of the year. Ah, come on. <laughs> Do you want to disagree with me? It's okay. I'm right. <laughs> it's wonderful to celebrate dads today and to appreciate them. And uh, we would like you to, if you're a father here today, we just want to pray for you, bless you. And we've got a small gift that we want to give you. We want to give you some dad power. Oh, so uh, if you're a dad, why don't you stand and we're going to pray with you. And then our young people from Reverb, they're going to come and uh, just uh, hand you a little gift and, and bless you with that. But uh, how many of you know that fathers are so important and we so appreciate and value our dads? Amen. So if there's a dad next, close to you standing, just uh, lay a hand on him firmly, you know, and uh, let's pray for them and just bless them. Father, we thank you that first of all, you're a father, and that anything we know about dads that are good, it's because you are good, Lord, and we want to honor you today as our father also, firstly. But thank you, Father, that you gave to us those that can represent your fatherhood and come and bring the Father's heart and the Father's care and the Father's love and the Father's strength into our community. Thank you for every father here today, Lord. I pray for your blessings upon them. I pray, Father, that today they would feel strengthened, encouraged, loved, and valued by you, by all of us, Lord, in Jesus' name. We just pray for them, Lord, that they would just be so appreciated today and blessed and that your favor would be upon them. I pray for those dads that may have lost somebody or, or those of us that have lost our fathers and we're thinking of that today. We even thank you for that, that in that we experience your comfort and your goodness, Lord. And we just bless these fathers in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give them a really good round of applause. I'm going to ask the young people, just stay standing, dads. You've got to stay standing. If the dads can stay standing, the young people are going to run in and give you a gift. So once you've received a gift, then you can sit down. Okay, Reverb guys, you're welcome. Well, being the third most important day of the year, I thought it would be appropriate for us to look at a hero dad from the Scripture. And uh, a, a father that, uh, when I read the story and just so meditated on it, thought through it, it was quite inspirational to me as a father myself. And uh, I want to talk about the Yero dad whose story we find in Mark chapter 9. So um, it'll be great if you can go there with me and we turn to this account of Mark chapter 9. And uh, as we talk about a Yero dad. There we go. In uh, Mark 9... We pick up on this account uh, when it says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Now, the context of our story here today, let me just remind you quickly what's going on, is that this event followed immediately after what is the, called the transfiguration, where Jesus, with James, John, and Peter, went up onto the mountain. The scripture says they went high up on the mountain, and uh, they, where they had that encounter with Moses and Elijah that came, 
and, um, you know, they, and, and Jesus became radiant and in his glory, and they had this most amazing, wonderful mountaintop, literally mountaintop experience. It was so great that Peter at some point said, we don't want to leave here, Lord. Can we just build like huts here and stay in this place? This, this is awesome. This is amazing. To be in the presence, imagine for Peter, James, and John, to be in the presence of Moses and Elijah. I mean, phenomenal. Moses and Elijah being the two witnesses, representing the two witnesses of the law and of the prophets. There with Jesus in his radiance. I mean, I wouldn't want to leave there either. But while they were going, having this mountaintop experience, the other nine disciples were assigned to crown control at the bottom of the mountain. So what they had to do was to uh, just keep the people sort of away from, the, from Jesus at that point in time and, 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 and you know, just make the, the whole crowd manageable. So what was happening is while Jesus was up there, the crowds knew he was in the area as well as some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They knew Jesus was around and, and they went looking for him. And so here we have at the, at the foot of the mountain, we have a little bit of a different experience going on than at the top of the mountain. The top of the mountain, it's the glory of the Lord. At the bottom of the mountain, there's a bunch of people getting frustrated. Some of the Pharisees came looking for Jesus to argue with him, as they always do. And uh, they were starting to argue with the disciples now. As they were arguing with the disciples, a father came that had a problem with a child. And perhaps there were other people also there that day that were just looking for Jesus because they needed an answer to prayer. They needed a miracle. They needed something from Jesus. But now Jesus is not there. So the disciples decided that they're going to pray for the people that came looking for answers to their prayers. Now, the disciples at that time have been with Jesus for quite a while. They have prayed for people. They have seen miracles. They, you know, they have driven out demons. So... You know, they're just going to handle the situation. So they start praying for some of the people. The scripture continues to tell us the results of their prayers. Um, when when uh, this crowd gathered, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? Jesus asked. So as Jesus comes down the mountain, the people sees him, the crowd runs toward Jesus. Then Jesus poses this question to his disciples. He says, what are you arguing with the people about? What's going on here? Have you ever been in a time of prayer where you feel like you've stepped into heaven and it's just awesome? Jesus is radiant. Moses is there with you. Elijah is there. It just feels amazing. It feels like this is what I've been made for. I just want to stay here. Perhaps it's like when you come to a seeking meeting on a Wednesday evening and, and you just feel the presence of God. It's so beautiful. And you think, this is life. I, I can just stay here. And then the moment you step out of that prayer, all hell breaks loose. Have you ever experienced that? I mean, imagine that's what it was like for Jesus and, and James and Peter and John. Wow. Wow, I mean, James, Peter, and John probably couldn't have waited to come down to the mountain to tell the other guys, guess who we just met? We met Mo, short for Moses. <laughs> we, we, ah, oh, awesome. But they come down and there's an argument. The rest of the nine's like, finally, where have you been busy with? Why haven't you just, ah? And, and there's this stuff going on. And as they, they, Jesus says, what are you arguing with them about? So now Jesus is getting on the disciples' case also. These poor nine oaks are like, what? What's going on? We carry on reading. As Jesus asked this question, a man in the crowd answered. 
It's wonderful when the scripture just sometimes says a man or a woman. Gives no context, no history, no name, no nothing we know about this person. When the scripture does that, it often does it for a reason because it's trying to say to us, this person is a generic person like any of us. It could have been any of us. This is not a specific person. This is just a person. And you could put yourself in this situation. You, this may have well have been you. A man answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, his teeth and becomes rigid. What a horrible story. Here this dad comes. Now we don't know how old this child was. But from very early on, he had this experience with this child of his. This child had a demonic spirit that kept on attacking the child. Sometimes people say this is something akin to epilepsy. According to the scripture, no, this was a spirit that attacked this child. This child had a demonic spirit that came every now and then to kill, steal, kill, and destroy, to come and harm and just bring terrible things upon this child and through that child upon the family. Imagine having a child where every now and then they, they get, you know, thrown into a seizure like this, perhaps. And, and as it says about this child, he couldn't even speak. The father couldn't even communicate and receive communication from this child, all because of this demonic spirit. This child, as we read, carry on, it says that, that it, it threw in the, the, the spirit would throw the child in the fire and, or in the water every now and then. So tr literally trying to take this child's life. It may have come to the situation where the dad couldn't even leave the child alone. Always had to have somebody look after the child. Perhaps the dad couldn't even hold down a steady job because he had to look, make sure that the child was okay. And can you imagine just the difficulty of this situation? As a parent, I, I can at some level at least identify with this father. I can, I can think about those moments in my own life as a, as a father and as a parent where I felt completely overwhelmed, where I didn't know how to handle a situation. Throughout our children's lives, there have been many moments like that where you get a diagnosis or, a, or you hear something that happened. I think of when our one son was born with a murmur in his heart and they told us that they'll have to monitor him for a year and to see what will happen, whether they'll have to do an operation later on in his heart. And You know, when you're a young parent at that point, you sort of feel completely overwhelmed. You don't know what to do. I can remember when one of my children started showing some signs of just struggling with something, and then we realized they were being bullied. And as a young father, I didn't quite know how to handle that. And I just didn't quite feel like just turning the other cheek was the thing that was going to help him. And how do I deal with that situation? I, I felt overwhelmed. I can remember when Keenan, who's here with me this morning, almost cut his hand off once, stuck his hand through a pane of glass, and literally his thumb just hung by the skin. And in a moment like that as a parent, you, you're out of your depth completely. Many stories when one of our children had a, was diagnosed in, with a, a lower form of autism. When you experience that as a parent, you go, I don't know how to deal with this. And so often in a situation like that, you, you get, because you're frustrated with your own lack of, of ability to deal with a situation, you, you get angry. And sometimes you get angry at the poor child. I can remember one of our children, my, our firstborn, when he was very little, a couple of weeks old, 
For some other reason, Natasha decided it was a good idea to leave me and him alone. <laughs> and she had to go do something. And uh, I suppose just, you know, find normality or something. And here, him and I were at home and everything was going fine until a certain point he started crying and nothing I did could stop him from crying. And I got so angry with him. Meanwhile, I wasn't angry at him. I was actually angry at my own inability to deal with the situation. Have you ever felt like that? Not just as a parent, but just in life. When you get to those points where you just feel, I don't know what to do. Now this father had experienced like that. For years he's been just feeling like, what do I do? One day he hears that Jesus is in the area and he thinks, this is my opportunity. This is my chance to have my child attended to and, and to solve this problem and to, to bring freedom and life back to my child. So he goes and he looks for Jesus and now Jesus is on the mountain so he finds the disciples and, and they proceed to pray for the child and after they've prayed for the child, nothing happens. It doesn't change. That's when you really hit a, quite a low, isn't it? When you've tried everything to get healing or deliverance or, or provision or restoration and you've tried everything you know, you've tried every doctor, you've tried every piece of wisdom, you've, tried, you've read books, you've done everything you know and nothing has changed your situation and, and then you go to God and you say, Lord, and perhaps you come to church here on a Sunday and one of the pastors or one of us pray for you and, and, and you come with faith and you say, man, praise God and, and it's gonna, you know, and, and then it just doesn't seem like anything has changed. Have you ever been in a situation like that? That's quite a low. That's quite a desperate place when like this father, they prayed for me, for my, for my child in the name of Jesus, but nothing happened. That point of frustration, and you read it where he says, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. But they could not. Sometimes I've been the, the, on the other side of the prayer, the person actually doing the prayer. And you see the desperation, you see the struggle in somebody, you know that they are absolutely desperate and, and you feel so for them, you feel compassion, you feel empathy for them, your heart goes for them and with all the faith you have, you pray and you say, Lord, heal this person, deliver, set free and, and you pray a prayer and you think, man, but then nothing seems to change. It's not a nice place to be. And here this father is, and it seems like even with Jesus, there's no answer. He's going to go home, and within that day or however long, he'll be back, right back where he started. Except now he really has no answers anymore. Who's he going to turn to? What's he going to do? Now we read Jesus' response in verse 19. Jesus says, you unbelieving generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Now, I think we all go, ooh, that's not such a nice response. Here comes a desperate father saying, Jesus, I asked your disciples, I asked your team to pray for, for my child. They, they, they prayed, but nothing happened. And it almost appears like Jesus now blames the father. He says, you unbelieving generation. But I think we understand it. You know, Machlatsi spoke about it two weeks ago about the Syrophoenician woman, how Jesus was using that opportunity to draw out of her the best that was in her and actually setting her up for faith. I think this was a similar situation. 
And and we must remember here that Jesus actually, when he says this, you unbelieving generation, who is he really speaking to? To the disciples. But it's also not that he's blaming them that, 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 that they couldn't help this child. He was making a statement that we must always remember the fundamental problem of the world is a lack of faith in God. That's the fundamental problem. That we live in a world, and you can say this about every generation, that is an unbelieving generation. That looks everywhere else, but struggles to realize that God only has the final answers for everything. And Jesus is highlighting that point. He's using this situation as an object lesson, and he's highlighting the point that he's saying, listen, you must remember that if you want things to change, you have to believe. You have to have faith. You cannot escape this, that faith is required. Faith in God is required. If we are going to see the world change, if we're going to see our lives change, if we're going to see things happen the way it's supposed to be and the way God intended it to be, it requires that we engage with faith. Now, I want to remind you that not a lot of faith, not a, a mountain heap of faith. Jesus said, if you just had faith as a mustard seed. And if we understand the scripture, then Jesus gives us the faith. Each of us is born, we have received a seed of faith. But he says to us, you have to engage. And what he's doing with his father and what he's doing with the disciples is he's reaching out to them and he's saying, this situation can change, but you must stay engaged with it. Don't back off. Don't let go. Come on. And he's stretching out the hands to them and he's saying, come, let me draw you into this situation. I'm with you. I'm in this. Don't disengage. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. We know from the scriptures the, the demonic spirits know who Jesus is. They see it clearly. We, we are at a bit of a disadvantage. We so often don't see so clearly. But them seeing in the spirit, they knew exactly who Jesus was. And they reacted. The boy fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus, while this is happening with the boy, while the, the boy is going through this, takes the time to engage the father. And he asks the father this question, how long has he been like this? Now, like we always say, this is not because Jesus didn't know the answer, but what he was doing is he was drawing the father in. He was saying, this is that's happening here involves you, Dad. This is not, I'm not going to solve the problem and you're just going to stand by and watch. You're part of this. I need you to engage here. I need you to be involved. And the dad says, from childhood. And then he explains his pain. He explains the terror of the situation. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. In his commentary, Lenski says the better way to translate this portion of scripture is not if you can do anything, but it's more, may you help us. If you want to help us, can you do something? Have you ever come to that place where you're wrestling with something and you're praying and you're asking the Lord, but it just doesn't seem like he's answering your prayer, and then you come up against this, this question, does God really care? 
I, I think for many of us as Christians, we've settled in our minds that God can do anything. But sometimes we struggle with, does he want to do? Does he want to heal? Does he want to set free? Does he want to provide? I think in my own life, there's been times where I've, I've gotten so frustrated to the point where I actually say some dangerous things to God. Dangerous in the context of, you know, if I upset him, it's not good for me. But those points where I say, Lord, I really don't feel like you actually care for me. I don't feel like you, like you, like you hear, you say you are, but you're just not coming through for me in this situation. This father says, Lord, Lord Jesus, may you do something about our situation. It's a terrible place to be when you come to that. Jesus responds to the Father. And we, in our translation here, it says, if you can, Jesus repeats his question. But probably better translated, if I want to, question mark, say Jesus. Are you really thinking I don't want to? And then he throws it back onto the Father. He says, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible. It's interesting here that Jesus says, I can and I want to. The question is, will you engage with me? And will you keep believing? Or will something cause you to disengage? Will something cause you to back off, to stop believing? Everything is possible for one who believes. He's stirring, he's drawing this father in. What he's not doing is he's not blaming the father. Because sometimes people will read this and they will say, if, if, if we're praying for somebody and they're not getting healed, it's because of their lack of faith that they're not getting healed. And we almost blame the sick person for their sickness. That's not what Jesus is doing here. He's just raising, calling forth and saying, keep it, keep at it, dad. Come on, keep at it. There's a solution here. Don't give up. Keep trusting. Keep seeking. Didn't Jesus say, if you knock and keep on knocking. If you ask and keep on asking. Just don't give up. Come, stay engaged. I love the father's response. He says, immediately, the scripture says, immediately, at the, that very moment, the boy's father exclaimed. In other words, didn't just quietly say, I believe. But with all the desperation and with all the, the just the, 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 the emotion of the situation, exclaimed, shouted, I believe. He was separating himself from the unbelieving generation. He was saying, I believe. And then he adds these words, help me overcome my unbelief. I believe, but I also have unbelief. I believe. And, and this is what Jesus was looking for. An honest, open, real heart that says, Lord, I believe, but I also struggle. And that's the faith as a mustard seed. That's all that Jesus needed. It's just that father that says, I'm not going to disengage. I'm not going to let go. Because the danger was if, after, if, if, if that father left that day with that child in the same situation, perhaps he would have said, I'm done. I'm finished. I cannot carry on like this anymore. 
and would have disengaged, disengaged from the child, disengaged from the situation, and just said, I'm done. But Jesus says, come on, come on. And the father says, help, help me, help my unbelief. Such a raw and real engagement with Jesus. Not a pretense. Understanding at the one end the value of believing while at the other end, at the other end recognizing his personal weakness. Holding both, he says, help me, Lord. And the Lord Jesus responds. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Now, a little side note, I find it fascinating that when Jesus was engaging with the Father, then he looked up, he saw the crowd was starting to gather. He did something quite opposite to what we tend to do nowadays. When he saw the crowd was coming, he healed the boy before the crowd got there. Most of our evangelists today would have waited for the crowd to come. You know, so that they can record it, put it on Facebook, share it with everybody. Not Jesus, because he cared for the, he didn't want to make a spectacle of them. He was not trying to prove a point. He was not, he was just attending to this father and the boy and he, was, he cared for them, and he knew that this was an uncomfortable, difficult situation. He also didn't want them to get into a place, position, where now suddenly everybody was going to turn against them and put them in an uncomfortable position. So he, he deals with the situation before the crowd gets there. I love the fact that most of his life, Jesus tried to avoid the crowds and run away from. Perhaps it had to do with something that the same crowd that exalted him would finally crucify him. But in any case... The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately. So can you understand the disciples? They're a bit perplexed now. They're like, what the heck is going on here? We prayed for the boy. Nothing happened. Jesus prays for him. What is the difference? Why did this happen? Jesus says, Oh, so they asked Jesus, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by, by prayer. Jesus doesn't say to them, this kind could only be driven out by me, not by you. The distinction doesn't come on the level of authority or anything. The, the distinction comes on the endurance of engagement with the problem. Jesus says, you just had to keep going at it for a little bit more. This is one of those spirits that you don't just speak to once. You'll have to speak to it a couple of times. It is a rebellious spirit. It is a spirit that perhaps has been entrenched. It is a spirit that has found a place of authority. We, we don't know why. But this spirit is the kind of spirit that when you speak to it, it'll come back at you. It won't just go the first time. You have to persist. You have to keep going. You stay engaged. Remember that you have the authority in the name of Jesus. Eventually, the Spirit will have to go. The only way the Spirit could win is if you stop praying, if you stop engaging, if you stop fighting this battle. That's the only way the Spirit could have won. But if you had real faith, if you kept in your faith, you would have kept going. So often we face problems in our lives. But we must just keep engaging. It reminds me of the, 
the picture of Jesus and his disciples in the boat. And the storm comes on the Sea of Galilee and the disciples starts getting afraid. And what's Jesus doing? Who remember, what was Jesus doing when the disciples were starting to freak out? And I remember these disciples, most of them were fishermen. So when they freak out in a boat on the sea, they're not being dramatic. They're not going, ah! They have reason. They've seen this. They've, experienced. They've lost family members in situations like this. What's Jesus doing? Hey? Sleeping. They wake him up. They say, don't you care? Again, same type of question. Don't you care? Eventually, Jesus gets up, speaks to the storm. Storm dies down. Okay, life carries on. It's wonderful. If you read that in the Greek, it has this interesting concept that when Jesus spoke to the storm, he actually said to the storm, you can do your best. You can rage as long as you want to. I'm going to still be here when you're finished. So just, you might as well stop now. <laughs> That's actually what he said to the storm. He said, I'm the God. You know, he didn't say this, but what he was implying was this. I am the God that created the heavens and the earth. That is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You can carry on and do whatever you want. I'll still be here. It's that same thing. Jesus is stirring in his disciples. He's not saying to them, every problem you come to, just speak to it once and it'll disappear. He's just saying, stay engaged. Stay engaged. Just two reasons I want to mention to you quickly why I think this father is a hero. I think firstly, he's a hero because he kept fighting. He kept fighting. He didn't give up. For all that child's life and all the difficulties and all the troubles, he kept looking for a solution. It could have been easy for him at some point to run away. In the time context and how they dealt with these problems, most often a father would have just left the child. It would have been easy for him to disengage, but he kept fighting the fight. How many of you know that as parents, we have to fight? Keep fighting. Sometimes God calls us, not sometimes, all the time. God calls us in our homes or in our families as parents and, and even as people with authority, as Christian people, God calls us to fight. And what I mean by fight is to hold the place so that there's space for God to move. To stand in the doorway. In my family, I know Natasha also does it and it's, it's us together, but I know there's a, 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 a responsibility on me as a dad to stand in the doorway of my family and to, to say to certain things, you will not come in here. You have no place in this family. Amen. I have to fight sometimes. Now, again, I must remember not to fight with my children but to fight for my children. Sometimes I get those two confused. <laughs> One of the things that I think as parents, as just people in life at this point in time, we're fighting against is how the enemy tries to come in and bring chaos into particularly the minds of people, particularly the minds of our children. Even as adults, we struggle nowadays. Last Sunday night, I was ministering to a group of young people and as I was praying for something, two young guys separately came up to me, 14, 15 years old, crying. And they asked me simply, can you pray for me that I can concentrate at school? Because I'm battling, I'm struggling. And my heart broke for them and I prayed for them. 
And I realized that in my own household, I, I faced that thing. I have to fight for my children that they would just be able to concentrate and keep their focus. That they would just be able to, to apply themselves and do the best that they can because they so struggle. They so struggle. And, and it's my job as a parent not to fight with them about that, but to fight with them. Not to fight them but to come alongside them and fight with them, to stand with them, to fight against those things and to hold those things at bay. There's a couple of things we've had to learn as a family. How do we fight and stand and support our children in this reality of, of life nowadays? And the first thing is we, we fight by their side by loving them, knowing them that we love them, that we are for them, that we are with them. We, we have to control our frustration levels we have to speak the right words into their lives. Challenge them, but from a base of we love them, we are for them, we are with them. Secondly, we fight the good fight by bringing order into their lives. I think one of the challenges our modern families face is we're just so hard for us to bring good routine and rhythm into our families. If you want to combat this thing of just children that cannot focus, you even may be an adult that struggle with, you know, ADD, ADHD kind of things like that. We've got kids in our family that have been diagnosed with that, and let me tell you, it's real. I know people have lots of wonderful theories and thoughts about this, and it's just bad parenting. Well, it's real. It is real. And children today struggle. And one of the ways we help and we fight for space for them to grow in, for space for them to come to terms and to learn and to develop and to learn to self-regulate and to learn how to stand in their own self and in their being, is we hold the space by creating good routines for them. Studies have shown that if you can, if you can just get up the same time every morning, for instance, if that's one of the ways that you do it, how much it helps you. You've got to bring order from a certain place. Just help your children with that. Help them. You, it's your responsibility to help create order. That your home can be a place where they have a sense of consistency. It was interesting for me this morning as I was woken up early with my family and they brought me breakfast in bed and each of them wrote a card and then they prayed for me. Every one of them had something to say about thank you that you are consistent. That you're the same, that you keep things going that you're not different in public spaces than what you are at home, that there's a consistency. We rely on that. It makes us feel secure. Now, I thank God for that because if that's true, then I learned that from, from Father God. Same yesterday, today, and forever. But it's, it's as parents, it's just we fight in that. We keep that place. The third thing I want to say, if you're facing that battle is limit screen time. Put a boundary around screen time. You know, when our kids were small, screen time meant they were in the lounge watching television. We, we were sort of part of it a lot of the time. We could monitor what they were watching. We were, we were able to put time frames around it. Now it's different, isn't it? It's quite difficult now. Because each child can have their own device and in their own room be busy with their television and you don't have a clue what they're doing. They're not part of the family anymore. There's not a community sense even around watching television. It's just become something completely disengaged. 
And you know, the challenge with that is we, our children's minds get overstimulated. And that's where part of the struggle comes from. So it's our job as parents to fight for them by just putting good boundaries. Now, can I tell you, this is a fight, man. This is the place where I get the lines mixed up all the time. Because a lot of the time I'm fighting them in this and they're fighting me. Because it's a rule that we have to make every week. Remember, you're only allowed this time for screen time in a day, only this place. You can only do your screen time in, a, in our lounge area. We have to say it over and over and over and over. And some days I want to do the great good parenting thing and just go, ah, whatever, just do what you want. <laughs> Every of you ever feel like your life will just be a lot simpler if you can just say, just do what you want. But I've got to stay engaged. I've got to keep fighting. Not, and, and, and the trick is that they're not on that side of the screen and I'm on this side of the screen time thing and we're fighting, but that we together and we fight and they recognize this thing needs good guidance. Woo. How many of you fighting that battle in your lives at this point in time? Any of you? I, I, I believe we can pray and we can ask God for a breakthrough in this situation. If you're a parent... If you're an adult struggling in your own life with concentration and focus, if you're a child here today, you're struggling, won't you stand? I want to pray for you right now. Worship team, you guys can join me on stage. We're going to finish now. Well, let's stand. And I believe if we pray, if we ask in the name of Jesus, we can see a breakthrough in this thing. Stand. I pray a prayer every day for my children around this. And I'm going to pray that type of prayer today here with you. I don't believe they have to go back into the dark ages to live life well. They can live life in the modern 21st century with all the wonderful opportunities and amenities and everything they have, but they can do well and they can reach their potential. Let's pray together. Come on, let's, let's stand. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that if we, can, we ask anything your word says in the name of Jesus, that you hear our prayers and that you answer our prayers. We pray today for, the, for our minds, for the minds of our children to be able to focus and to concentrate in Jesus' name. I pray today, Father, that you would give us as parents, as people, as individuals in our own lives the ability to engage with this battle so that we will overcome this battle in Jesus' name. That nothing will steal, kill, and destroy from us. I pray, Lord, that you'll give us the ability to take every thought captive in Jesus' name. To be able to focus and meditate on your word and on who you are. To stay engaged with our minds, Lord. That our minds will not be like jackrabbits that just run all over the place and nobody knows where they're going. But that our minds will be worshipped, will, will be places of worship for you, Lord. Places where, where you are held. I trust you for that. I pray for every parent here today. They may feel exasperated. Strengthen them, Lord. Let them stay engaged. Let them pray for their child. Let them find good balance in their homes. Not legalism and draconian rules, and, but in a way where they're journeying with their child. Raising them up, teaching them how to become self-regulating, Lord. And I trust you for that. I pray for any individual here today that may self be struggling with the ability to focus and to engage. I pray for them, Lord. I speak healing to their minds. I speak order to their minds today in Jesus' name. You have said that your spirit comes in, cleans out, and sets things in order. 
I pray for that order in our minds in Jesus' name. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Let us be encouraged and strengthened in Jesus' name. Before you sit down, or as, I, as you sit down, can I ask you, stay engaged. Keep praying. Keep seeking the Lord. If you keep seeking, you will find the answer. But if you give up, you lose the battle. Keep engaged. You're welcome to take your seats. I'm going to finish. You guys can, thank you, you can play because I want to, I want to finish on that place. The second reason I find this dad is a hero, and I'll just quickly mention this, is because he kept fighting the fight of faith. And you know where he started fighting the fight of faith? It was within himself. He recognized firstly that his own faith needed work. And that's where he started. And, and as he grew in his faith and strengthened in his faith and kept engaged, he found breakthrough. But he kept the fight of faith. Each of us, we need to keep the fight of faith. This type may only come out by prayer. The problem you face may take a while for you to, to get on top of it, for God to give you the breakthrough, but keep fighting the fight of faith. Keep fighting and saying, Lord, grow my faith. Sometimes growing your faith means growing your understanding and your knowledge. Without one child that has a, a lower form of autism, our journey of faith has been to learn about that condition, to study, to understand things, and to, to have knowledge, and to allow the Holy Spirit to instruct us in terms of Him as a person, but we stay in that space, and then we see the victory. Allow God to raise you up, to grow you, to fight the fight of faith. Won't you stand with me? Can we be like this father this morning and open our hearts in honesty and truth to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe in you, Jesus, but I also recognize my limitations. I also recognize how I fail. Help my unbelief, Lord. Perhaps you've come to the place where you said, I don't think God cares enough. That's not true. He loves you completely and perfectly. Perhaps you've stopped asking him. Perhaps you've stopped looking for an answer. Allow the Lord to just keep engaged with you and stay engaged with him. Let's just close our eyes. Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name. Just right in this place this morning. and I want it to be a, a, a tender place, Lord. A place where we sense your presence. Where right now each of us can be aware that you are with us. That whatever challenge we face, whatever frustrations we have, whatever, where we feel the battle, you are with us. You're not on the other side of the line, you are on my side of the line. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's with you, He's for you, He's your Father. And thank you, Lord, because of that security that we have, that you are with us. That we don't give up, Lord. We don't disengage. We don't let go. We keep standing. Like Paul wrote to the Ephesians, when you've done all to stand, stand. We stand on you, Lord. And we see how, how much sometimes we feel like we've got faith, and at other times we feel so weak. 
we feel like we want to give up, help us, Lord. Just help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray for just a refreshing of our faith this morning. A refreshing of our trust, our belief in you, Lord Jesus. Just if you need some, just a refreshing of your faith, just raise your hands and say, Lord, here I am. Refresh my faith. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for times of refreshing. Thank you for times of your grace. Right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for times of your grace, Lord, in Jesus' name. I want to give you an opportunity this morning as I end the service. I'm going to ask the, the team to just keep on worshiping. And it may be that you just need to stay in your seat for a moment. If you've got to get your kids, then you know, perhaps even go get them and bring them or whatever. But just let's be in a little bit of a time where we just allow the Spirit of God to refresh people. It may be that you want to come to the front and let one of us pray with you and stand with you and engage with you. It's been so wonderful to hear so many of you come and share testimonies of what God's doing in your life. We want to keep with you. We want to fight with you. Let us pray with you. It may be that today is the day where you have to come and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I've never given you my life. I've never given you opportunity. I've been going at this alone. I need you, Lord. And come and let our pastors or elders or our prayer team that's here pray with you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence right now. Thank you that you are busy with each of us. That you never let us go. You never disengage. You never give up, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. May the Lord bless you. Just come forward for prayer if you need that. Or as we continue to worship, if you just want to sit in the Lord's presence, stay in your seat. If you're going, may the Lord bless you. Have a great Father's Day. Eat lots of ice cream. And we love you and appreciate you. Just have a wonderful day.